All right, beginning this morning, we are taking a break from our series on the Sermon on the Mount uh, because we need to spend a little bit of time as a church talking about who we are and where we are going. Uh, So today will be a different kind of sermon. Uh, I know that what you're used to is me getting up here and with great wit and wisdom and charm and brilliance uh, going through a passage of Scripture Well, I I haven't gotten to the funny part yet. Wait for the punchline, please. Uh, And illustrating it with entertaining and moving stories, and you leave just in awe of— No. Um, We will return to our regular programmed schedule soon, uh, back in November. But following Living the Sermon, which is one week from today— By the way, when is Living the Sermon? It's, yeah, a week from today, right? Uh, Following that Sunday, we are going to take five Sundays in a row, and we are going to talk through and explain our formal values that we as a leadership team here at GCC are putting forward to you as the church family. Okay, so that's your preview for the next six weeks worth of material. So, okay, why are we doing this? Why is this important for us as a church to go through this um, and to spend so many weeks on this? Right, according to... Uh, research compiled by the Kerry Newhoff team, 85% of churches in North America will never break the 200 barrier. The vast majority of churches start small and they grow a bit and they stay small. Anyone want to guess where we're at right now size-wise at GCC? Yeah, we are right at 200. Uh, And this kind of puts us in an awkward place because we are too big to act like a small church but we're not big enough to act like a big church. And so that tends to be why churches stall out right at that 200 barrier. They get stuck there. Okay, so uh, part of our reason for going through our values is that we want to continue growing. Okay, and we know that we have to be intentional if we want to break this barrier that most churches never break. Okay, so the reason we're doing this, it's about growth. Uh, Also, according to research done through LifeWay, Somewhere between 100 to 200 churches close each week in the United States. That's a lot. Now, some of those are in dying communities. Uh, Some of those end up being absorbed by other larger churches. It's not all a tragedy when a church closes its doors. In fact, if you think about it, the original churches that we read about in the New Testament, they all shuttered at some point as well. Right? So it's not necessarily a terrible thing for the kingdom of God overall, so long as the church itself continues growing. Okay, and obviously we are nowhere close to closing our doors here. We're in a season of growth, not decline. But if you look at churches across America, the church as a whole is not doing as well as we would like to be doing. Right? Churches are in decline. All of the major denominations are in decline. Churches of Christ are are in decline. Okay, we know that being God's people in our present cultural context is tough, and we want to be very intentional about how we go forward as a church here at GCC. By the way, I'm talking about the churches in America that are in decline. In the rest of the world, the church is doing pretty well. Okay, you go to Africa and Asia and South America, lots of places like that. The church is expanding pretty rapidly. So globally, the church is growing, even though in North America and Europe, it's in a season of decline. Okay? We always need that, that big picture. Okay, so in America, if we want to grow, we're not going to do it just by hoping for the best. 
Okay, the days of people just going to church because they're supposed to go are long gone. So if we want to grow as a church, we're going to have to be intentional and serious about it. Fair enough? All right. Now, I don't have numbers for this next slide, uh, but the vast majority of churches go through a fairly predictable and typical life cycle. Okay, and we have talked about this before. Hopefully this, this chart looks familiar to you. Okay, in the early days of a church, back when you're down around this place, see, I found my laser pointer. Tommy was making fun of me earlier. This is like the third week in a row I'm using my laser pointer. All right, when a church starts, when we're over here, it's very exciting, okay? And we grow and we dream. Uh, this season in here is marked by dreaming. We're looking to the future. We're thinking about what it's going to be like. We're forward-focused the whole time, okay? That's where our attention is. It's exciting. Um, and then over time, a church starts to hit maturity. Um, we start to develop more programs and more ministries, more structured ways of being a church and doing church. And what happens not too long after that is you tend to plateau. After plateau comes the maintenance stage, um, and then you end up going into decline and eventually shutting your doors and having death. Churches, businesses, organizations of all stripes tend to go through a fairly predictable life cycle. Okay? Now, uh, you know that you have tipped over the peak when people spend more time remembering good stories from the past than they do talking about what they're excited about for the future. Okay? When the majority of the stories that we share with each other are things that happened from our past. Man, you remember back when? Remember how we used to? Remember back in the day how we did X, Y, and Z? Okay? And often, churches tend to pass their peak when they hit about their second generation of life. Okay? Some churches it takes a lot longer, some a lot shorter. This is all in, in very broad generalities. Okay, now, another characteristic of churches past their peak is that they spend most of their effort and most of their resources on keeping their own people content and busy. Okay, in other words, when we were over here in this growth stage, we cared a whole lot about how do we reach them out there, right? How do we reach people in the world? How do we spread the message of Jesus to those who need it the most? How do we bring in more people here? As churches cross over this peak and enter maintenance mode, now suddenly all of our conversations, all of our resources, all of our focus becomes more about keeping the people that we have. It becomes about how do we keep us happy and content? How do we keep our programs going? How do we make sure that we're taking care of the people that are here? Okay. Now, uh, you may remember uh, this chart from when we studied the book of Hebrews a couple of years ago. I showed this on the same screen before. Okay, and I believe that that particular book of the New Testament is written to a church that is hitting their second generation. It's written to a church that's starting to get into this mode. And the author of Hebrews is writing to that church saying, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. Okay? You don't have to go into an inevitable decline. You can reverse this, and the way you do that is by re-dreaming. Okay? Capture the vision again. Who are you? What are you about? Where are you going as a church? And in Hebrews, he reminds them of a bunch of things about Jesus very specifically and says, cast your eyes upon Jesus again. Remember the mission that you're a part of. Remember the kingdom of God on earth. Okay, and the way that the book of Hebrews is doing it is he's saying, okay, you as a church, you're right in here somewhere, and it's time to redream so that instead of going into decline, you get a new birth right around here, and then you start a new up curve. Okay, now, when should a church redream? 
When should a church cast a new vision and start dreaming again? Okay, well, you can do it anytime in here, but the further down that slope you go, the harder it is to redream and get a new up curve. The best time to redream is actually when you're right over here. And if you start redreaming here, then as you start to plateau, you can start a new upswing. Okay? As a leadership team at Gwinnett Church of Christ, and by the way, when I talk about our leadership team, I'm talking about me and Titus plus our three shepherds. Okay? As a leadership team, we think we're somewhere up in here. And so we think the time to start redreaming and planning for the future and thinking about who we are and where we want to go is right now. We don't want to wait till we start getting over here and start declining. We would like to start redreaming, thinking about who we are, where are we going, what are we about as a church, and being very intentional about all of those things right now. All right. As we get into this, uh, four caveats I'd like to get out on the table. All right. Part of redreaming is the recognition that what got us as a church to 200, where we are right now, uh, will not get us to 400, okay, or whatever number you want to put there in that second spot, okay? Uh, and we will talk more about this particular point in upcoming weeks, uh, but it's important for us to get this out on the table right now. Okay, we are more mature as a church than we used to be. Things don't look the same here as they did even just a few years ago, right? I think about six years ago when my family and I first moved here, some things have changed since then. Okay, uh, we've had to adapt our ministries as we've grown. We've gotten to do some exciting things, like add a new youth minister. We've expanded our children's ministry. We've taken on new missions opportunities. Okay, and we're going to have to lean into that and embrace it as we continue to move forward. Right, as we become more like a larger church, it's going to feel more like a larger church. Okay, now, one of our key commitments, one of the key components of that is we want it to stay feeling like a family. Okay, and we can do that if we're intentional about it, but we have to recognize that the things that took us to 200 won't take us to 400. We're going to have to lean into it and look forward. Fair enough? All right. Number next. Caveat number two. Uh, I have talked a lot about numbers, but we really are not a numbers-driven church. Okay? I don't know what our week-to-week attendance counts are. Uh, I don't know if we even have anyone who's counting who's here. We don't count noses every Sunday. Uh, we certainly aren't going to be one of those churches that has the little plaque on the side where we put all the numbers on the nice little wooden thing like we all grew up with if you grew up in church. And that was, man, that was the biggest ministry in the church at all was getting those numbers up there right every Sunday, right? Okay, we intentionally don't do that because we don't want to be a church driven by numbers. Okay, how we feel about any given Sunday is not determined by whether or not we had six more people than we had last Sunday, that's not who we are going to be. Uh, we certainly don't care how we compare size-wise to any other church. Okay? Uh, this is not about me being able to compare with my preacher buddies which one of us has a bigger church that we preach to. Okay? Which, by the way, some of them are beating me right now, so we've got to work on that. Okay, the reason we care about numbers at all is because numbers represent souls. Behind every individual one is a person that is a child of God, that is loved by God. And so the reason we are interested in growth is not so we can have a bigger church. The reason we're interested in growth is so we can fulfill the great commission of Jesus Christ and reach more people. Okay? Which takes me to number next. Uh, we want to be a church that takes the great commission seriously. We want to make a real impact in the community around us. 
Okay, the city of Lawrenceville, the county of Gwinnett should care that we are here. Right, but what happens when companies or marriages or athletes or churches or anything else decides to quit improving and growing and just be content with where they are? Yeah, that's not how it works, right? They inevitably enter a season of decline. Okay, we don't want to do that. We don't want to be a church that just happily fades away. We want to be a part of the exciting work that God is doing around us. All right. Number four, fourth caveat. Uh, This is not a prelude to us making some big predetermined change. Okay, this is not us laying the groundwork for some big change that we've already got planned. All right, I promise you that this five, six-week series doesn't end with, and now introducing the GCC rock band, right? Okay, not where we're going, I promise. The biggest, I'm sorry, sorry, Andy, sorry. You have lots of other gifts and skills that we'll, we'll continue to use, but it won't, be, it won't be as a drummer anytime soon, okay? Uh, the only big change that I know of in our near future that I'm really excited about is we're getting a new projector, okay? Um, and that's going to be awesome. It's going to be bright and, and big. We've already got the projector. We're waiting for the screen, and we're going to put it up. It's going to be great, okay? I'm excited about that. All right. But we do know that things will inevitably have to change as our church continues to grow, okay? Structures have to change. The way we keep up with who's here and who's missing has to change. Uh, the number of ministries that we can offer will grow and expand. Okay, and all of those are good things, right? And we want to be excited about that. Okay, but again, all of this is to say the reason that we're laying out our values now is because we want to talk more about what's unique and special to GCC that won't change as we continue to grow. That's why we're talking about values, right? Values are kind of like DNA, right? You notice uh, you have the same DNA today that you had when you were a little baby, okay? The externals have changed quite a bit, but who you are, that DNA, what makes you you, doesn't change as you continue to grow and go through your life, okay? That's like the values that are here at GCC. And so the agenda with this five-week series is not some new thing we're going to spring on you, Okay, the agenda is to help us as a church continue to grow. Does that work? All right, I got JJ on board. No one else? All right, we good? All right. Okay, so what brought all of this on, and, and how are we doing this? Uh, several months ago, we had a couple of elders come down from a larger church up in Kentucky, and they met for a couple days with the leadership team here. So me and Titus and our three shepherds, we spent an entire weekend meeting with these guys from Kentucky, um, and we spent some focused time thinking about our church. Okay, what is it that makes GCC special? What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? What are the things that we want to do better? How are we looking into the future? Where are we going as a church? How do we plan to break this 200 barrier? Again, we don't want to be a church that's just happy and comfortable with the people who are here. We want to be a church that goes out into the community around us and makes a difference. How do we lean into our future as a church? And the first strategy that we have come up with for GCC is this explicit articulation of our core values. 
Okay, that's why we're taking five weeks to lay out five core values of GCC. So a few months after we had a, our, our big weekend meeting, uh, we met with our group of deacons, and we had a long Sunday afternoon meeting with that larger leadership team. Several of you deacons, you remember that, right? Uh, we walked our deacons through one of the same exercises that our leadership team went through to think about our values as a church. Okay, and they helped us refine them and reword them and figure out what we are. Uh, and it was really interesting that the deacons came up with the same core values that our entire smaller leadership team came up with. Okay, and through that whole process, we've come up with our five key values that I'm not going to give you right now. I'm going to keep you in suspense. Okay, that we're going to be unveiling over the next few weeks. These are five key pieces of who we are that we're going to lean into as we develop our vision and look to the future of GCC. So, two weeks from today, beginning October 13th, I hope that everyone will come to our combined adult classes and sermons, which will lay out our values in detail. Okay, we believe that this is important for the future of GCC. Uh, we want all of you to be a part of it. Uh, I know that getting to Bible class, and especially getting to Bible class on time, can be something of a challenge. But we ask that you would please make an effort to be part of this, because we are the kingdom of God on earth, we believe that the mission that we have as God's representatives on this planet is the most important mission that's ever been given to this earth. Uh, we want to take it very seriously. Does that work? All right. Uh, I got a, a few minutes left, so what I want to do for the remainder of our time is I want to talk about the difference between mission and values and vision. Okay, and to do that, I want us to look at a passage of Scripture. Uh, this is Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9. Paul says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, fearful, sorry, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Okay, this is one of the many places in Scripture that we could find this. This just happens to be one shorter passage where we see all three of these things in one text. Okay, but what are the relationships that we should be cultivating as Christians? I would argue that as Christians, there are three relationships that we should be concerned about. If we claim to be followers of Jesus, if we're going to sing, oh, to be like thee, okay, then we need to care about three distinct relationships. Okay, we see all three of these in this passage. Number one, uh, who should we be devoted to in love? You can cheat. I put it up on the screen. This is not a hard question. Okay. To one another in love. Thank you. All right. Uh, one of the relationships that we should care about deeply is loving each other. Okay, if we're not loving each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, what are we doing here? Okay, um, second relationship that we should care about a lot is serving who? The Lord. Okay, if we're not loving each other and loving God, then we've totally missed what it means to be a Christian, right? There is a third relationship that we should care about, and it's only hinted at at this passage. It is talked about much more directly in some other passages, but relationship number three that we have to care about is what? Okay, it's not just about us and God, it's also about them, right? 
Now, you could simplify this and say we need to love God and love people. Uh, you think about it when they ask Jesus, what are the most important commandments? What does he say? Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. And they say, okay, but Jesus, who's your neighbor? Okay, trying to trip him up on that. And he tells them a story about a Samaritan, about one of them, and make them the hero of the story. Right? So what Jesus is saying, if you just love us, that's not it. If you're really going to follow Jesus, you've got to love them too. Whoever them is, right? And uh, in, in what we're talking about in church specifically is those that don't know God. Okay? So, our mission is what? If we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ, we have to love each other, we have to love God, and we have to love them. Now, you think about our mission statement here at GCC, what does it say? A loving family, living for God, and loving them, right? Serving our neighbors. Okay, that's, that is our mission. That is what we are about as a church. That is who we are. Okay, we repeat that mission statement each week to remind ourselves that everything we should work towards is strengthening those three relationships. Okay, who are we as a people? Who are we as a church? We're about loving us, loving God, and serving them, right? Okay, so our mission is really our why. Okay, why do we exist as a church? What are we about as disciples of Jesus? Okay, and one of the things that is different about mission than values or vision is that mission should be true of every church. Okay? If you packed up right now and went to a church halfway around the world, they should care about those three relationships too. Loving God, loving each other, and loving their neighbors. Okay? Uh, if you go to a church at a different point in history, if you go to the second century church in Carthage, they should care about those same three relationships, right? Now, the church doesn't always do this very well. Sometimes we do a better job of loving each other than others, right? Sometimes we get off mission, but at our core, what we are about as a church, what every church should be about are these three things, loving God, loving each other, and loving them, okay? Mission is true of every church. All right, uh, I'm going to skip values for a second and go to vision, but if mission is our why, Vision is our how. Okay, how do we do that? Okay, well, we have worship services. We have our co-op ministry. We have a youth group. We support Wells in Ghana. Uh, we support Georgia Agape. We have a community fair. We have trunk or treat, right? So here's my point with vision. Different churches have different visions. Does our vision look different from that second century church in Carthage? They didn't do trunk or treat back then. I don't know if you're aware or not, okay? They did chariots and treat. It was a different, no, sorry. These are the jokes. That's all I got. All right. Okay, but both churches are trying to fulfill the same mission. Okay, different churches will have different visions and plans for how they will fulfill the great commission of Jesus because we live in different cultural contexts, we have different personalities, we have different strengths and weaknesses, we have different gifts and opportunities. Now, I think some churches have healthier visions than other churches, just like some churches are more mature and healthier than other churches, but just because our vision and how we're going about serving people is different here than from another church doesn't mean that theirs is wrong and ours is right or vice versa, Right? Different churches have different visions. That's what we do. All right. Also, I believe that vision changes over time. Okay. You think about our vision for taking the gospel to the rest of the world. 
Okay, that will look different today than it does in 20 years from now. Now you think about some of the missions that we are involved in right now as a church that are different than what we were involved in just five years ago because things have changed. Right now, one of the big missions that we are a part of is supporting a refugee crisis in Austria. Okay, I'm assuming that in 20 years that will look different. Okay, we may not be supporting Austria anymore because that crisis may not be a thing anymore and things may have changed completely. I don't know what the future holds, but I know that over time our vision will change as we continue to evolve and move forward as a church. That makes sense? Okay, so if mission is our why and vision is our how, then the piece that we are focusing on for the next six weeks or so as a church is the, that of our values, okay, which is our what or who. Okay? Who are we? What are we about? Okay, what is the DNA of GCC? What's our personality? Why might you drive past 10 other churches to attend GCC? Okay, there is literally a church across the street from my neighborhood. I don't go there. I go here. Why? Well, one, because you pay me to come here, but that's... <laughs> No, but I think this is a special place. Okay, but what makes us special? Okay, and that's part of what we're going to get into and dig through. Right? Different churches have different values. We choose to emphasize different things. Okay, other churches have very different people in different places, so they will feel different and look different. Uh, for instance, when I first started preaching, I was still in graduate school, and they let me preach at a, a little church an hour away from Abilene, Texas, in the middle of nowhere West Texas, uh, where I preached at this church where we had about 30 people on a good Sunday, and I was the youngest person in the room by about 40 years, easily, okay? Now, they were in a small, dying community, and one of the values of that church was stability. That church was an anchor for those people. That church hadn't changed anything in a long time, and that was one of their values. That was a good church. That was a good value for that church. But the value of stability works for that church in a way that it will never work for a church in suburban Atlanta where people are moving and going and, and growing families and all the kinds of stuff that we do here, right? Was there anything wrong with their value of stability? Not at all. Is it very different than what we're doing here? Absolutely. Okay? Values are going to be different at different churches. All right. One of the things that's different about values than vision, though, is that values remain stable over time. Now, I'm not going to say that values never change uh, because they can eventually change over longer periods of time or if something dramatic happens in a church. Churches can shift. Okay, but largely, values are much more like your personality, which remains stable even as you grow and mature. Again, like we said earlier, values are kind of like DNA, which stays the same even though externals change. Okay, so the things that we're going to be talking about in this series on values are things that would cause you to drive by other churches to come here. Okay, it's what makes us distinct. It's what makes us special. Okay, these are the things that even though we continue to grow, won't change, because this is about who we are as a church. Does that all work? that all make sense? So, again, starting in two weeks on 1013, uh, we will begin that process of unveiling our values. 
And so the way that's going to work is each Sunday, I will have a sermon that talks about one value in particular. And then the following Sunday, our combined adult Bible class will talk about that value. Okay, and all of us on the leadership team are going to take turns teaching those classes. Um, So you'll get to hear from all of us on this, and you'll get to talk back to us about what you think about that and how that works for us and how you see that all play out. Okay, so every week we'll have a sermon. The following week we'll have a value, uh, and we'll do that as we move through the series. Uh, So please make plans to be here because we really do believe this is important, and we've put a lot of time and a lot of effort into this, and we're pretty excited about it. Okay, so finally, okay, what's our ask for you? What are we going for with this? What are we hoping to achieve? Uh, We've already talked about growth, um, but a couple more points. One is we just want you to know what we're about. Okay, Uh, we want to be explicit about this. Uh, We don't want us to all have different ideas about what we're doing and where we're going as a church. We're trying to all get on the same page um, and be part of this loving family together. And then the second piece of this is we really want you to be engaged. All of us as Christians following Jesus need to be engaged in the church, need to be engaged in the mission that we are on of being a loving family, living for God, and serving our neighbors. Now, we recognize that uh, some of you are much more mature, um, and some of you are much newer in your walk with Jesus. We all come from different places with different backgrounds and different sets of baggage. We've all got our baggage here. Some of us are carrying our big Samsonite luggage. Some of us not so much, right? Uh, We're all coming from different places, Uh, We all have different places in our walk with Jesus, uh, but the hope is that we're all moving in the same direction, right? That we're all growing in our education, uh, we're all growing in our worship, we're all growing in our fellowship with each other, we're all growing in our opportunities to serve others in the name of Jesus. And so what we're wanting is for all of us to keep growing, uh, to keep becoming more engaged, to keep living lives that are focused on following Jesus, All right, as I say, we will talk more about this in the coming weeks, uh, but we wanted to give a preview of that today. Uh, And finally, if you are not a follower of Jesus, uh, if you're not part of this journey yet, we would love nothing more than to sit down with you and talk about what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to love him fully? What does it mean to make him Lord? Uh, And so during this time in our service, we are going to sing a few verses of an invitation song. During the singing of this song, I will be down front. One of our shepherds will be down front. This is the time in the service where we as a church want to be here for you. We would love to talk with you or pray with you about whatever is going on in your life. And before we sing that song, I'd like to close us with a word of blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. Let's stand and sing.